President Trump releases a self-described major announcement. Elon Musk banned several journalists on Twitter after accusing them of doxing him. And another massive migrant surge hits our southern border as the Biden administration says everything is under control. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash pen. Well, we live in very serious times in which the president of the United States, Joe Biden, is attempting to push world-breaking change on the social, fiscal, and foreign policy front. We face battles in pretty much every arena of our lives politically, attempting to define the most basic terms in human life, ranging from the terms man and woman to the terms family. We're attempting to avoid a recession. There are a lot of very serious things happening in the world right now. This is why it matters that President Trump who is the only Republican declared candidate so far. It's important to note that he jumped into the water as soon as humanly possible after election 2022, which did not go a way that I think Donald Trump would have liked. Many of his hand-chosen candidates in the Senate did not win. Well, Donald Trump two days ago announced that he had a major announcement that he was going to reveal on Thursday. And for a lot of people who are watching his campaign, they're thinking, okay, what's that major announcement going to look like? After all, this man is the former president of the United States. This is a guy who presumably is going to have some policy recommendations that he wishes to trot out. He's going to have some important things to say, no matter whether you are pro him or against him. The fact is that when the former president of the United States and a newly declared president for his third consecutive election says that he has a major announcement, people are going to take that pretty seriously. And a lot of people were taking that pretty seriously because, again, if you are assuming that we live in serious times and if you are assuming that Donald Trump is a serious candidate for president of the United States and that he is running a serious campaign, what you would expect is some sort of major policy drop, for example, or maybe who's going to announce who is running for vice president with him. Or maybe he was going to announce something else politically oriented that made a difference in American public life. Instead, the major announcement almost completely craters his presidential campaign before it even gets off the ground. Even many of his very, very strong allies, people ranging from Steve Bannon to say the Hodge twins, were criticizing what Donald Trump did yesterday and for good reason. So what was Donald Trump's major announcement? Well, he put out on Truth Social the major announcement, all capital letters, major announcement, quote, My official Donald Trump digital trading card collection is here. These limited edition cards feature amazing art of my life and career. Collect all of your favorite Trump digital trading cards, very much like a baseball card, but hopefully much more exciting. Go to collecttrumpcards.com and get your cards now. Only $99 each would make a great Christmas gift. Don't wait. They will be gone, I believe, very quickly. And the picture, for those who are not actually watching the show, and this is one of the reasons you should watch the show, so you can see the visuals, is a picture of Donald Trump standing in a wrestling ring wearing what appears to be a skin-tight superhero outfit with the American flag as his cape, a giant T on his chest, a rippling six-pack, a wrestling belt championship, and 45 boots because he was the 45th president of the United States with electricity popping around him. That It's, it's a meme. In other words, he's selling you memes for $99. And this was the major announcement. Super, so major, unbelievably major. Collect all the Trump cards, put together, search for Pikachu. Find Pikachu, kill Pikachu. In any case, the former president of the United States also put out a video. And again, the reason this matters is because any presidential candidate who did this, it would be bad. The former president of the United States, a man who is the presumptive frontrunner jumping into the race doing this, is cringeworthy. It just is. And again, if you, if you think that politics ought to be a somewhat serious business, that our politicians ought to provide a threat to the people who we believe stand in the way of our freedoms, then when you say you have a major announcement and what you actually drop is what appears to be an NFT money grab, especially in his, I mean, it's like on every available front, it's just 
It's the dumbest politics I think maybe I've ever seen. It's, it's really, it's painful. It's painful. And this is coming from somebody who voted for Donald Trump in 2020. And it, like this, it, it, it's just bad. So Trump drops this video. And when I first saw it, I thought it was a deep fake. To be honest with you, I thought that I thought there is no way that Donald Trump would acquiesce to the people around him, pushing him to do something this stupid. Because again, NFTs, first of all, nobody understands what an NFT is. An unfungible token, which is what an NFT is, what it basically is, is a digital trading card. Essentially, you buy a gift and you have the exclusive right to a copy of that gift. Not, not the only copy, a copy of the gift. Which means nothing since I can literally just copy and paste one onto my desktop right now without having to spend $99. But here is Donald Trump announcing this major, major announcement. Again, I'm not the one characterizing it as a major announcement. If this has just been one of the many things that he put out, okay. When you're a presidential candidate and the former president of the United States, and you say that you have a major announcement, all capital letters, and your major announcement is spend the 99 bucks on my worthless gift for a chance to possibly win a Zoom call with me. That's not great, Bob. Here was Donald Trump yesterday. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. Each card comes with an automatic chance to win amazing prizes like dinner with me. I don't know if that's an amazing prize, but it's what we have. This is my first official Trump trading card NFT collection. And you get a chance to meet me. Go to collecttrumpcards.com right now. And remember, Christmas is coming. And this makes a great Christmas gift. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, that's it. First of all, I, I don't think it makes an amazing Christmas gift. If someone gave this to me for Hanukkah, actually, I'll, I'll be honest, I think it'd be great. If somebody gave this to me for Hanukkah, I'm, I'm willing to take it. Um, but um, what? Just what? We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, the lack of a red wave during the midterms, that does not bode well for the American economy. In fact, the recession indicators right now are blinking bright red. If you're unsure how the next couple of years are going to unfold, talk to Birch Gold's group about protecting your savings with gold. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert your IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals so you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Gold is the world's oldest, most proven form of currency. When inflation soars and all other assets go sideways, gold is still right there. This month, you can get a free gold back with every $5,000 purchase when you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA with Birch Gold by December 22nd. Just text Ben to 989898 to get started. Birch Gold will help you own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Text Ben to 989898, claim your free info kit on gold, and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. With every purchase you make before December 22nd, you get a free gold back. It's a great stocking stuffer just in time for Christmas. Text Ben to 989898. Protect yourself with gold today the same way that people have been protecting themselves against inflation and uncertainty for literally thousands of years. Head on over to Birch Gold by texting Ben to 989898. Also, when you're running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations. You got a lot of holiday parties coming up this year. You don't know what's going to happen at those holiday parties. You need HR. <laughs> Bambi gives you access to your own dedicated HR manager. This person is available to you by phone, email, and real-time chat. They'll help you run employee onboardings, terminations, and performance reviews. With Bambi's HR autopilot feature, you can automate important HR practices like setting policies, employee training, and feedback procedures. 
All of Bambi's HR managers are based right here in the United States and can support the nuances across all 50 states. HR managers can easily cost 80 grand per year, but Bambi starts just 99 bucks per month. Schedule your free conversation today. See how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Ben Shapiro to get started again. That's Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up to get started. Make your HR much more solid because if you don't have HR, you're going to get punished. Head on over to Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up. So first of all, opening with I'm a greater president than Washington. Come for the, I'm I'm a better president than Washington or Lincoln, and stay and stay for the memes of Donald Trump dressed as an astronaut. I guess is is the idea here. I'm here to announce major announcement. They call it Magic the Gathering. I have finally completed my set, and you can buy a Magic the Gathering set as well with a picture of me, Leviathan, Power Nine. Like th- this is. This is not what a presidential candidate should be doing. And everybody was making fun of this yesterday because, again, it is intensely mockable. This, this, especially the commercial, which sounds as though it came on Fox News at 1 a.m. selling a walk-in bathtub. That, that, is, that is what it feels like. So here's the question. If Republicans are being ripped up and down, as they should be, for not being serious enough about stopping the left, is this what you want? Is this what you want? It's one of the most counterproductive things I've ever seen a candidate do because of that. If you wish, if you are a fan of Donald Trump and you wish him to be president, do you, do you actually look at this and think that this is good strategy or does it look to you like he's trying to sell you a Trump steak or Trump water? Is it the worst of the Donald Trump branding? I, again, I'm pointing this out not because I want Donald Trump to lose. I do not think he's the best candidate in a primary. It is specifically because of this kind of stuff. I do not think that he is the best candidate in a primary or in the general election. Joe Biden obviously took the opportunity to jump on Donald Trump with both feet. And again, it's hard not to jump on Donald Trump with both feet when he gives you that open an opportunity. Biden obviously tweeted out, I had some major announcement the last couple of weeks too. Inflation is easing. I signed the Respect for Marriage Act. We brought Brittany Griner home. Gas prices are lower than a year ago. 10,000 new high-paying jobs in Arizona. Now, all of these things are at least quasi-lies in terms of whether they are good. But that doesn't matter. Joe Biden is basically saying, my major announcements are about things that I do as president of the United States. And Donald Trump's major announcement is about NFT trading cards with bad memes from four years ago with lasers coming out of his eyes. And this is, this is the part that, that I think is, is really telling. If you are this unfocused, if you are this scattered, you cannot defeat the Democrat. You can't. I'm sorry, it's not going to work. And what it feels like, honestly, is it feels like Donald Trump is running a very lackluster campaign because I'm not sure he actually wants to run. I'm not sure what else to make of that. Because yesterday, he actually put out a somewhat major announcement. Here's the thing. Donald Trump literally put out an announcement yesterday about what he called his free speech policy, which actually had some rather interesting things in it. And Trump put out a free speech policy in which he essentially announced that he wanted to ban the government from using its power to cram down on social media companies' bans on information. Now, this would have been, okay, a major announcement, right? Like a policy announcement this is what you would expect from a candidate, from the former president. Here was Donald Trump announcing that yesterday. But which one do you think gets more attention? Him doing that or literally, which he did not say was a major announcement or the thing that he himself said was a major, the most major announcement, which was, in fact, a picture of him in spandex from his life and career. And this is the thing that, that should have been the major announcement, but it wasn't even according to Donald Trump. I'm not the one who characterized it that way. He's the one who characterized it that way. Here's Donald Trump. They have collaborated to suppress vital information on everything from elections to public health. 
The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed, and it must happen immediately. And here is my plan. First, within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize, or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis- or disinformation. Okay, so again, like all of this is interesting and worthy of discussion and debate. And that, that last provision there where he says that he's going to stop the federal government from labeling anything mis- or disinformation, you see exactly why he's doing that. Because again, the federal government basically labeled everything up to and including the Hunter Biden laptop story, mis- or disinformation, and ended up cudgeling or encouraging or winking and nodding at social media taking that stuff down. The counter argument on that score would be, well, the federal government sometimes has to say that things are, are false or, or whether things are true. But the problem is we don't trust them. Again, all of that is interesting and controversial and worthy of note. But that's not what he called the major announcement. What he called the major announcement was, here I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you, you must buy this poster drawn by me, of me, signed by me, for me, for you. Like, that is not, that's not serious stuff. Now, here is another aspect of this. The left, they hate Trump. And we have, obviously, a reactionary country in which if the left hates a thing, the right immediately says that the thing is good. But the left hates Ron DeSantis just as much as they hate Trump. And they hate Ron DeSantis for a different reason than they hate Trump. They hate Trump because, yes, obviously he politically opposes much of their agenda. Also, they hate Trump because they see Trump as sort of a class traitor. Trump was a guy who should have been in their corner. Until about 2014, he was very socially liberal, Donald Trump. Donald Trump was, was a person who had won Emmy Awards. He had performed at the Emmys singing about Green Acres. I'm not kidding. And that tape is available. This was a person who was very, very, I mean, he was at Bill and Hillary Clinton's wedding or at, uh, at the wedding of Chelsea Clinton. Like, th this, is a, this is a person who is widely known and, and understood in left-wing circles. And then he turned on them and so they hate him for cultural reasons. The reason that the left hates Ron DeSantis is specifically and solely because he is an effective advocate of right-wing policies. That is the reason they hate DeSantis. Otherwise, they never would have noticed DeSantis. The reason they hate DeSantis is precisely why many Republicans want to see DeSantis elected, because he's an effective advocate of conservative policies that have broad spectrum appeal, which is how you turn a 0.4% victory in 2018 into a 20% victory in 2022. And you can see their hatred is just, it's virulent for Ron DeSantis in the same way it was for Trump. So if the great draw for you with regard to Trump was that Donald Trump is the person the left hates most, I'm not sure that's actually true. I'm not sure that's actually true. They may hate him most on sort of a gut level. They find him gross and, and he annoys them and vulgar and all that. But the reason they actually hate DeSantis is because they're afraid DeSantis is good at his job. That is the reason they hate him. I'm just going to give you one example. Stephen Colbert, who is no longer a comedian. Stephen Colbert is just the, the second worst White House press secretary after Karine Jean-Pierre. Colbert, last night on his show, talked about DeSantis versus Trump. And listen to the way he describes this, because these are two very, very different politicians. Ron DeSantis is a very disciplined politician who, for example, does not release videos of himself calling himself better than Lincoln and Washington and then trying to sell you a $99 worthless digital token. And Ron DeSantis is a very effective governor of a major state in the United States. And, um, and here's Stephen Colbert likening the two, because this is how the left thinks of DeSantis. So if, again, if the chief draw for you for Trump is the left hates him, they hate DeSantis too, and DeSantis is wildly, wildly effective. 
New Wall Street Journal poll says that in a hypothetical GOP primary matchup, DeSantis beats the former president 52% to 38%. Yay? <laughs> also, maybe boo? It's hard to know who to root for here. It's like a poll between gonorrhea and a slightly more racist gonorrhea. <laughs> this is apologies to gonorrhea. By the way, this also goes to show you that their hatred for Trump applies to literally all Republicans. It applies to everyone. So it's between gonorrhea and so Ron DeSantis is gonorrhea, I assume, in this particular iteration. And um, and DeSantis and Trump would be the slightly more racist gonorrhea. And the crowd in New York is cheering wildly. Ah, these geniuses. They're, they're, but don't worry. Don't worry. They don't hate you. They just hate Trump, except for they hate you and DeSantis and everybody else. So. When it comes time for Republicans to pick, when, when we move forward as the Republican Party or as conservatives, and when we look at who's the most effective best candidate, the question is going to be who offers the most opportunities for the left to attack them while being ineffective in terms of policy. And right now, that video that Trump put out, I think it's, the sing again, I think it's one of the single most damaging things I've ever seen a, a candidate do. It may be the single most damaging thing I've seen a candidate do because it directly underscores the problem with Trump in the first place, which is the pervasive sense of unseriousness that has surrounded him since 2020, since he left office in early 2021 and lost the election in late 2020. There's a sense that he no longer cares about the priorities of his own party. He cares about his own priorities. And when you release a major announcement, I don't think I'm making too much of this. Trump fans will say, that, that I am, but he's the one who made it into a major announcement. So people should keep that in mind as time moves forward toward the 2024 presidential election. And meanwhile, controversy has broken out on Twitter after Elon Musk banned a series of journalists. He banned them because he said that they were essentially doxing him. Now, doxing is the practice online whereby you give somebody's real-time location that they were trying to keep private. So it, it, doxing is not like I'm walking around at Disneyland and, and, and somebody notices that I'm there and they text their friends. That's not really doxing. Okay, doxing is I try to keep my home address private and you uncover my home address and then you send, you send people to my door, right? That's doxing. Doxing is where you uncover the, the license information on my car and then you tweet real-time updates on where my car is, right? That, that sort of stuff is doxing. Okay, so Musk is now accusing a bunch of journalists and pseudo-journalists of doxing. And this started when he decided that he was going to ban an account called Elon Jets. Now, he had said he was not going to ban an account called Elon Jet. He had suggested that because he's so free speech, he, he, had, he had said, I'll, I'll keep Elon Jet online. I mean, it's something that he actually had tweeted out earlier this year. He changed his mind, apparently, after there was an incident in Los Angeles in which a person followed his son, his, his very young son, and he had a person apparently followed that car and then jumped on the, the roof of the car, according to Elon Musk. And so this apparently changed his opinion. It was back in November, like early November of 2022, that he tweeted, my commitment to free speech extends even to not banning the account following my plane, even though that is a direct personal safety risk. And well, he obviously changed his mind and he decided to put in place a doxing policy that says you're not allowed to put out anybody's information on location. Now, the definition of doxing is going to come into play here. What exactly is doxing? So, for example, we, we track in real time a lot of people via the jets. I mean, you, you, can, you can track presidential can't. This sort of stuff happens all the time. When a politician travels to Iowa, for example, you will see reports on Twitter that the politician has gone to Iowa, presumably to campaign for the presidency. And we do that by looking at the tail number on the plane. Or we track Russian oligarchs or we track politicians. Like when Pete Buttigieg is taking private flights all across the country, you can track those private flights using the tail number on the jet. 
And this sort of stuff is fairly common online. It is publicly available information. The question is to when that shades over into doxing, meaning like the unsafe targeting of a person's location, a location that somebody is trying to keep private. That's kind of a, a shaded issue. Musk says, I've tried to keep that information private and people are now uncovering that information. They're using it to target my family. I'm very sympathetic to those claims considering that I, as a human, have 24-7 security on myself and on my house. So I, I, I totally sympathize with Musk's claim. However, the extent to which this is doxing is in question. In any case, he ended up banning a bunch of quote-unquote journalism accounts. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, right now, it's tough to find good people for your business. We here know that at Daily Wire. It's one of the reasons we use Zip Recruiter. Like thousands of other businesses across the country, we find the best employees possible with Zip Recruiter because they make it super easy. And you can try Zip Recruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Zip Recruiter uses powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and send a personal invite to your top choices so they're more likely to apply. ZipRecruiter also has an easy-to-use dashboard with a complete suite of tools to let you filter, review, and rate your candidates all from one place. Discover the joy of hiring with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. See for yourself. Go to this exclusive web address. Try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Make sure that you're hiring in the best possible way, getting the best possible candidates, being able to sift them quickly and efficiently. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Also, Black Rifle Coffee is basically keeping me alive at this point. It's been an incredibly long week, and I need the coffee to keep me functional. And Black Rifle makes the best coffee. Plus, Black Rifle Coffee Company is helping you knock out your holiday shopping with a ton of awesome new product this year. Designed for folks who love country and coffee, you can shop brewing gear, thermoses, mugs, and apparel for 10% off with promo code Shapiro. Black Rifle sources the most exotic roast from around the globe. All coffee is roasted here in the United States by veteran-led teams of coffee experts. Every purchase you make with Black Rifle helps support veteran and first responder causes. Daily Wire Plus kitchens are stocked with Black Rifle coffee, and yours can be as well. Head on over to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off coffee, coffee gear, apparel, or when you sign up for a new coffee club subscription. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com with promo code Shapiro for 10% off. Again, Black Rifle Coffee, supporting America's veterans and America's coffee. They make the best coffee in the business, and they got all sorts of awesome gear for you right now. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off coffee, coffee gear, apparel, or when you sign up for that new coffee club subscription. So according to CNN, the accounts belonging to CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, the New York Times' Ryan Mack, the Washington Post's Drew Harwell, and other journalists who have covered Musk aggressively in recent weeks were all abruptly permanently suspended. The account of progressive independent journalist Aaron Rupart was also banned. Now, the truth is Rupart should have been suspended for disinformation years ago. I mean, if we are actually taking seriously the, the Twitter terms of service, which suggests that you're not allowed to mislead people, then Aaron Rupart is one of the worst actors on Twitter. But banning all of these other journalists on the basis that they were revealing his location, that, that is sort of dicey. Musk claimed that journalists had violated his new doxing policy by sharing his live location, amounting to what he describes as, quote, assassination coordinates. CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan did not share the billionaire's live location. Instead, he had shared apparently a, a link to a tweet talking about whether or not Elon Musk in the aforementioned incident with his son had actually filed an LAPD police report. Shortly before suspension, O'Sullivan reported on Twitter the social media company had suspended the account of an emerging competitive social media service, Mastodon, which had allowed the continued posting of Elon Jet. That was the account that posts the updated location of Musk's private jet. Other reporters suspended Thursday had recently written about the account. CNN says doxing refers to the practice of sharing someone's home address or other personal information online. The banned account had instead used publicly available flight data, which remain online and accessible to track Musk's jet. But this also depends on whether Musk had taken serious measures to 
essentially obscure the ownership of his jet, for example. Like, let's say he bought his jet in a trust specifically because he wished his jet data to remain private. And while people speculating about that, is that quite doxing or is it not quite? It's kind of in a gray area. The bans raise a bunch of questions about exactly what Musk's standards are. Musk, this is very funny. So yesterday, there was a, a giant phone call with a bunch of pseudo-journalists and journalists with Musk, in which Musk called in and, uh, and tried to explain why he was banning people. And here's what that sounded like. And, and there is not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists, so-called journalists, and, and regular people. Everyone's going to be treated the same. You're not special because you're a journalist. You're, you're just, you're, you're a Twitter, you're just, you're a citizen. Um, so, uh, no special treatment. Um, you dox, you dox, you get suspended. End of story. Um, so, and, 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 and ban evasion, ban evasion, or like, or, or trying to be clever about it. Like, oh, I posted a link to the real-time information. It's obviously, uh, that is obviously simply trying to evade the, the, the meaning. That is, there's no different from, than, paste, than actually showing real-time information. Um, so uh, when you're saying posting a link to it, I mean, the, some of the people like Drew and, and Ryan Mack uh, from The New York Times who were, were banned were, were, you know, they were reporting on it in the course of sort of pretty normal journalistic endeavors. Um, you consider that like a tricky attempt at ban evasion? You show the link to the real-time information, ban evasion, obviously. And so Musk actually did tweet out later, my plan is actually not trackable without using non-public data. So there are a few things here that are worthy of note. One is we actually have to clarify the standard of what is considered doxing and what is not considered doxing. If you're just publishing publicly available flight data without actually delving into a person's private information, then that is not covered by sort of doxing criteria, typically speaking. If, however, you dig up somebody's home address and tweet that out and attempt to get people to go to their house and harass them, a la Brett Kavanaugh, obviously that would qualify as doxing. So this is sort of a gray area. The area where, where Musk is completely right is that Musk refuses, as you hear right there, to give in to the distinction that has been drawn between the quote-unquote journalistic crowd and everybody else. There's a group of self-appointed journalismers, and they are journalismers because they say that they are journalismers. And because they are journalismers, the standards of everyday life do not apply to them. So you, as a human on Twitter for a very long time, were not allowed to post the home address of a person that you didn't like because that was considered doxing. If, however, a journalist did it, then like Taylor Lorenz doing this to libs of TikTok, then apparently that was totally fine. That was, that was absolutely fine. If you posted Taylor Lorenz's address yourself as a regular citizen, this meant that you were doxing her and that was terrible. If Taylor Lorenz showed up at the door of libs of TikTok's parents to harass libs of TikTok, then, and then actually reveal video of that and the address and all of the rest, then that was not doxing because Taylor Lorenz is a journalismer. So Musk says, no, 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 we're not going to have that distinction anymore because that distinction is nonsense. And he is correct about this. When it says freedom of the press in the First Amendment, what it means is that Congress cannot crack down on dissemination of speech. It does not mean that there's a special category of people called the press who have special privileges that you or I do not have. And in fact, it would be very hard to determine who's a member of the press because people commit acts of journalism. Whistleblowers very often are giving you more relevant information about the inside workings of a company than a journalist who's being given PR releases from the company. So what constitutes being a member of the press versus not being a member of the press or being a journalist versus not being a journalist? Very often it is self-appointed. Aaron Rupert is a journalist. Like the dogs on Paw Patrols are horses. Like that, that's, that's not, like Aaron Rupert is not a journalist. Aaron Rupert is a person who clips people out of context, calls himself a journalist. Does he get special privileges on Twitter because of that? The answer, of course, is no. Now, it also, the, one of the other questions here is how widely Musk is applying the ban. 
Meaning, it is one thing to suspend Elon Jet. It is another thing to suspend a person who tweeted out that they called LAPD to find out whether, in fact, a police report was filed and the police report was not filed, right? That just looks like normal media criticism. Final point here, however. The journalists who are extraordinarily upset, and they're really mad. Right? The people at CNN, the people at NBC, the people in all the media infrastructure who are super upset that standards are now being applied to them that were applied in opaque fashion to all of their enemies five minutes ago and they were cheering, I have no sympathy for them. So two things can be true at once. I may not agree with Elon Musk's standard. It depends on the details of that standard as they emerge. But all of the journalismists who are spending their time cheering on censorship, who are going after other media companies and trying to have their advertisers removed by calling up advertisers who have nothing to do with the company and trying to harass them into silence. All the same people who say speech is violence and therefore it's fine to get kicked. Like all the people at Politico, for example, who are whining and screaming and holding vast staff-wide meetings over me writing a playbook letter for Politico. If those people get suspended, I have no sympathy for them. One set of rules for everyone. If you are the people who are claiming that censorship on the basis of opaque standards is totally fine because you like the people doing the censoring, then live by those standards. You will get no sympathy from me. So people like Aaron Rupar, whose job in life and the glory they get in life is by trying to get other people kicked off social media, getting kicked off social media, you have no, there will be no tears for you. I think you probably shouldn't have been kicked off. Also, your, your standards, buddy. You know, F around and find out is sort of the idea here. Your standards. No sympathy. <laughs> and I know there are a lot of people who say that that is a violation of consistency. No, it's not. I can say those two things at once and they are perfectly consistent. I don't think you should be banned. And also, if you are banned, I don't feel bad for you because you seem to be like a person who likes banning. So the, the, the Musk controversy continues apace along these lines. And the reason that I point out the media inconsistency here is because many of the same people who are very upset with Elon Musk for suspending a bunch of journalists and pseudo journalists on Twitter, like he's suspending Keith Olbermann. That's, that's definitionally a pseudo journalist. Many of those same people were totally fine with pushing false information at the behest of the federal government and then calling for bans on that information from social media. So, for example, Breitbart is now reporting that former deputy director of national intelligence, Cliff Sims, said that he warned CNN reporter Natasha Bertrand that Hunter Biden's laptop was not Russian disinformation before she wrote the infamous and now discredited Politico story, which used dozens of former intel officials to push a false and misleading narrative about the origins of Hunter's laptop. Bertrand was reporting for Politico at the time. She approached then-deputy DNI Sims on October 19, 2020, regarding an article she was writing about 50 former information officials claiming that Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation. Breitbart News' Emma Jo Morris had a few days earlier broken the laptop from Hell Story, which Big Tech censored in the New York Post. Sims told Bertrand before the publication of the Politico story that the laptop from Hell was not Russian disinformation, citing then-DNI John Ratcliffe. Despite Sims' warning, Bertrand wrote the story anyway, gave the Democrats the headline they wanted, and this provided the impetus for social media, banning all of this stuff. So all of the journalists who are very happy with the ban on the Hunter Biden laptop story are now very upset that Elon Musk is banning people based on tweeting out flight information or being next to people who are tweeting out flight information. And I may agree with their standard, but I don't agree with them. They're perfectly happy to have censorship standards applied through an opaque algorithm. Well, Musk, at least I'll say this for him. I mean, he's out there defending himself. He's out there on Twitter explaining exactly what he is doing. You can agree with it. You can disagree with it. But he is, in, in fact, explaining what he is doing. And that is worthy of note because that is certainly a lot better than most of us got from Twitter for years when they were shadow banning material. Yeah, I, I'm sure we're going to talk to uh, Matt Taibbi a little bit later on today, who is one of the reporters who was handed the Twitter files. Um, I, I want to ask him 
whether in fact I was shadow banned because it is pretty obvious I was. I've gained about a million followers on Twitter since the end of the Jack Dorsey tenure over at Twitter. So, again, uh, amazing to watch members of the media caterwaul and scream over standards being applied to them. They are happy to have applied to everybody else. Already, meanwhile, we are seeing a crisis on the border. This is one of the reasons why when, when Trump releases stuff like major announcement, it's an NFT. I become very, very irritated. I think a lot of people do. We have serious problems in this country. Why is the leading president, presidential candidate on the Republican side, the only candidate in the race? Why is he not making that his chief? This is the guy who was saying, I'm going to build a wall. Like, why would he, why wouldn't his major announcement be that, for example, he is now already coordinating with, with governors in Southern states in order to effectuate the building of a wall if he's reelected president? Like, why wouldn't he do that? That would be a major announcement. Instead, he's doing NFT garbage. And that's a problem because we do, in fact, have a massive crisis at the southern border, which everybody recognizes, and the White House is simply lying about. We'll get to that in a moment. First, the situation in Ukraine continues to deteriorate. They're entering winter. The Russian bombardment of infrastructure has not stopped. This is one reason my friends at the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews have been working in Ukraine, Israel, and the former Soviet Union for more than 30 years. They've never seen hunger and suffering like they are seeing in Ukraine right now. It's a reason why I'm asking you to help deliver food, heating, fuel, and blankets to God's most vulnerable people. In this season of giving, please consider donating to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. They're on the ground providing generators, building wells, providing medicine and food boxes in this very dire situation. Just 45 bucks can ensure warmth, food, and clean water to Jewish kids and the elderly in need. Right now, through a Match Challenge campaign, your donation to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews will double in impact. Join us in our goal to help distribute 2,000 food boxes to Jewish families in war-torn Ukraine and across the former Soviet Union. Head online to benforthefellowship.org or text Shapiro to 41444. There are a lot of vulnerable people over in Ukraine right now, and you can help them out with your year-end giving. Head on over to benforthefellowship.org or text Shapiro to 41444 to get started. Also, despite the lackluster economy, the Daily Wire continues to thrive. Not only that, we are hiring. We are looking for an experienced executive producer and business manager who will serve as the leader of Daily Wire's South Florida branch in terms of both production and general operations. The ideal candidate has at least eight years of experience working in a professional production environment in a senior leadership position. You have to know post-production for video and film, inside and out, technical proficiency, exceptional people leader skills, business acumen. These are crucial for success in this role. They must also thrive in a fast-paced work environment and be a self-starter. This is an in-office position in South Florida. A strong preference will be given to local candidates. If this sounds like you, go to dailywire.com slash careers for more information and to apply. That's dailywire.com slash careers today. Okay, meanwhile, the border situation is completely out of control. Everybody knows this at this point. According to the Wall Street Journal, as federal immigration authorities continue to release migrants by the thousands, El Paso officials and local charities are near a breaking point in the sprawling border city. Large groups of migrants, including a large contingent of Nicaraguans who crossed the border on Sunday, have been streaming across the Rio Grande in recent days. The Border Patrol facilities housed more than 5,000 people on Wednesday, and roughly 1,700 migrants were released, according to data from the city of El Paso. My country is hard. There's no work. Our president is very bad, said Catherine Urbina, a 28-year-old from Nicaragua who is traveling with relatives and friends, said of why she came to the U.S. right now, which is, is not actually a, an asylum claim. Uh, being from a country that is not great and where there's underemployment, is not actually an asylum claim. Urbina said she and relatives were part of the large group that crossed on Sunday and spent several hours standing on the U.S. side of the river waiting to surrender to Border Patrol so they could ask for asylum. It's unclear what triggered the latest wave of migrants, but authorities think the impending end of Title 42 may be a factor. Remember, Title 42 was used. It was the COVID excuse to get people away from the border. It was like, well, we don't know if you have COVID or if you don't, so under Title 42, we can exclude you from the country and process you inside of Mexico. A federal judge has ordered the Biden administration to stop expelling migrants under the law by December 21st. 
U.S. officials are considering a move to expand a program, creating a legal process for Venezuelan migrants seeking asylum to also include Nicaraguans, Cubans, and Haitians amid the recent surge, according to the Wall Street Journal. Such a move would allow migrants from those countries to apply from abroad to fly to the United States and could slow attempts to cross the southern border. But that's only going to work if people don't believe that if they arrive at the southern border, we're just going to release them into the interior. So if the idea is apply from Venezuela and we'll reject you while you're in Venezuela or move up a couple thousand miles to the American southern border and then we'll just let you in, people are just going to continue to stream in. This is not about where you're processed. It is about whether if you're processed at the border, you're going to be let in. Well, if you're not processed at the border, you're not going to be let in. That's what this is about. Even Democrats are freaking out about all of this. Democratic Representative Escobar says, I'm afraid that there will be a catastrophe in what you're going to end up with here because of under-resource is homeless migrants just wandering the streets of El Paso. Nothing's going to happen unless an absolute catastrophe and then has to be responded to or the politics around this changes. You are 100% right, Kate. Um, I am afraid that a catastrophe will happen, that, um, you know, that, that, that there will be uh, homeless migrants on the streets and freezing temperatures and people will die. I'm worried about that. I mean, that is, um, that is from a Democrat. And she should be worried about that. The waves of migrants who are now swamping the southern border, that is happening because Joe Biden has made it clear that if you get into the country, you will be allowed to live here. That is what has happened here. This is why the, the rates of illegal migration have skyrocketed in the United States. And that's not about processing power. That's about the simple fact that when you say to people that if you get in, we will re- we release you, you come back for one court date, and now you just get to live here and we'll probably amnesty you sometime in the near future. Of course, you're going to get waves of people who are attempting to get in. I don't blame those people. If I were living in Nicaragua, I'd also attempt to get into the United States. The United States is an amazing place. That does not mean that the United States has an obligation, moral or legal or otherwise, to bring people in just because economic situations around the world are worse. Otherwise, the United States would have approximately 8 billion citizens, considering that the United States does have the world's strongest economy. There's not a reason why a country has an obligation to bring people in. Even if you are somebody who believes in, in asylum and refugee status, typically that is because the government is specifically targeting you and your family. It is not because the economy sucks where you live and you can't get a job. And it's an absurdity. This situation is growing worse and worse. A Texas County border judge named Richard Cortez says the Biden administration is not helping us whatsoever. Now, basically, we have a leak here at the border. And instead of actually attempting to plug the leak and stop the hole, instead, the Biden administration is sending us buckets to catch the water. But those buckets are insufficient. In a statement, the Department of Homeland Security said that it has deployed additional agents and resources to the El Paso region. I'm wondering if you think that is enough. You mentioned the laws. Specifically, well, laws and what? You know, uh, I, 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 I'm smiling because what we have is that we have a leak. We need a plumber to come and stop the leak. And instead, what we're doing is we're sending us more buckets to hold the water. That is not the solution. Yeah, he is correct that it is not the solution. And again, this problem is getting worse and worse because it is not just illegal immigrants who are crossing the border. It's also the fentanyl that many of them are carrying. We have a massive fentanyl crisis in the United States. It's taken over as the leading killer of people from drug overdose over, for example, straight heroin. CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell interviewed the Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco about this. And she says fentanyl is a national security crisis. And when Title 42 ends, by the way, it is is worth remembering here just how hypocritical the Biden administration is. When they came into office, they said they needed to end Title 42 because it was bad. Then they realized by ending Title 42, they get a wave of illegal migration. And so they said Title 42 has to continue applying. Then they said it had to continue applying because of COVID. But they've also declared that COVID is over. 
So essentially, they don't want to own the consequences of their own bad policy. And the fentanyl keeps flowing right into the country. Here's the deputy attorney general under Joe Biden. There is a growing concern that there will now be a tsunami of fentanyl flowing through the southern border when Title 42 ends next week. Is that something you're concerned about? Well, I'm concerned about uh, the increase in illegal migration. I'm concerned with human smuggling. I'm concerned with drug smuggling. The DEA has taken an approach where they are uh, have established two counter-threat teams. This is the kind of approach you take to organizations that pose a national security threat. Okay, here's the thing. The White House is not taking any of the sort of measures that would be necessary in order to stop any of this. And you know who knows this? All the Border Patrol agents. So according to the Washington Examiner, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, visited El Paso, Texas this week. Now, Kamala Harris has not gone down there despite her lies about having gone to the border. Joe Biden has not gone down to the border and he's not too busy to do so. He's busy wearing his sunglasses, aviator sunglasses, and hanging out with, with men on the White House lawn who put out videos about how much they like erect penises. I'm not kidding. That happened two days ago. In any case, the, the, this administration is not taking this problem seriously. Secretary Mayorkas went down to the border. And while he was there, he had a cold shoulder from the Border Patrol because obviously he's not actually effectuating policy that allows them to do their job. There's been a big problem with ICE for as long as ICE has existed is they basically have two conflicting missions. And those missions really should be separated by department. One mission is to effectuate legal border crossing and the other is to reject illegal border crossers. That, that is it. Those are two very different missions. And keeping them housed inside of one agency without any clear policy guidance means massive confusion and a feeling like you are going to be punished if you, you're not going to be, let's put it this way, you're not going to be punished if you allow too many people in. You're going to be punished if you reject people who should have gotten in, according to the dictates of the Biden administration. Mayorkas traveled to West Texas on Monday and Tuesday to meet with U.S. Customs and Border Protection. He focused his comments on smaller groups of management and rank-and-file agents and officers on suicide prevention. And uh, everybody's like, why are you talking about suicide prevention? Why don't you talk about you sucking at your job? A senior Border Patrol agent said, quote, when he stated he was here to bring light to suicide prevention and nothing about the migrant crisis, our staff couldn't believe it and made it known to him. One federal law enforcement agent present at the discussion asked Mayorkas why he has continued to state that the border is secure when agents say this is an inaccurate assessment given the hundreds of thousands of non-citizens they've observed on camera illegally entering and absconding. The same agent said, they asked him why he's saying that the border is secure and we have no agents in the field. He had the nerve to respond he never said the border was secure. I wish you could see into our agents' eyes they are lifeless, the same person said. The secretary apparently shrugged off the question and pivoted. America's further fanned the flames by not visiting the land border, similar to Vice President Kamala Harris's flub during her first and only visit to El Paso 18 months ago. So he stayed very, very far away from the border. You don't want a picture of him anywhere near a border that he says is secure and which is totally insecure. Meanwhile, Karine Jean-Pierre, world's worst press secretary, she says that Joe Biden has been doing the work since day one to secure the border. Again, these are just abject lies. They are not true. From the White House perspective, though, should Americans be supportive or concerned with the end of Title 42, which obviously stops most migrants from being able to apply for asylum? What Americans should know is that the president uh, has, done, uh, has done the work uh, to deal with what we're seeing at the border since day one. What Americans should know is that the president put forth an immigration reform policy uh, to make sure that we're dealing with a broken system. Again, Joe Biden has not done any of the work. Everybody knows he has done none of the work. This is why some seriousness on the Republican side would be ever so amazing. How about some serious policymaking on the other side of the aisle as opposed to posturing and stupidity and NFTs and garbage? 
live in serious times. This requires serious answers and serious people. All righty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be joined by Matt Taibbi, former Rolling Stone journalist. He is definitely on the left now. He's being slandered as a person on the right. Why? Well, because Elon Musk gave him access to the Twitter files, and he's actually been reporting on what Twitter was censoring. And it's really, really bad. I think he's going to break some news on the show. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. 